Okay, so welcome back. This is Gretchen. This is Nick. And today we're going to talk about, um, last, last time we talked about how the scripture is an actual historical document and that it can be trusted in that way, the same way we trust uh, Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars and other historical documents mm-hmm. like that. Today we're going to talk about the actual people who wrote the, the New Testament. Yeah. Well, we're going to mainly be focused on the New Testament, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we do want to make sure it's clear that a lot of this research was prompted, um, and even some of it we're just taking directly from... A sermon by Vodi Bauckham. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look him up, V-O-D-D-I-E. Yeah, B-A-U-C-H-M-A-N. Something like that? Yeah, so look him up. Um, he is a Southern Baptist pastor, and he has a great sermon on um, why we believe what we believe, and that's where a lot of this is coming from. So, and the reason why we're focusing on the New Testament is because everything in the Christian belief revolves around one moment in history. What moment would you say that is, Nick? Death and resurrection of Jesus. Exactly. So, in order for the rest of the Bible to make any sense at all, it has to come to the conclusion in the scripture of the death and resurrection. And so, how do we know that that really happened? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, um, and we're going to go to some scripture. We're going to talk about what these writers were intending, what they saw, and what they're trying to communicate with us as the reader. Okay, so we're going to go to 2 Peter. Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Start at verse 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, for eyewitnesses of his majesty. All right, pause there. So what did he just say? This is Peter writing, and he says... We're not making this up. We're not following cunningly devised fables, as it says. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So this isn't somebody just saying, Oh, guys, I heard that Jesus did this, and I heard this and this. No, this is an actual eyewitness account. So why is this important? Well, let's think about court of law. Um, You know, how do you prove something happened? Well, you have to have evidence, right? Yeah, so let's say, just for kicks and giggles, that you were accused of robbing a bank, okay? And you insist that, no, I wasn't robbing a bank. I was at a barbecue at my friend's house. I didn't rob the bank. I was at a barbecue. Well, how are they going to believe you? Well, what you need to do is provide witnesses. If you have someone, at least one person, that can say, yeah, no, they weren't robbing a bank because they were at my house and we were eating barbecue and we were playing horseshoe and I, I was there with them during that time, um, then the judge is going to be able to throw out your case, is going to have to throw out your case because they have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And that is clearly a reasonable doubt that you robbed the bank. What if you have two witnesses? What if there's another person that says, yeah, I was at the barbecue too and he beat me in, he or she beat me in horseshoes and I was really mad about it. So I know they were there. Yeah, what if there were 15 eyewitnesses? I mean, that judge is going to laugh in the prosecutor's face if you have witnesses, especially that many, saying that you couldn't have done what you're accused of because you were seen somewhere else. Eyewitness accounts are extremely important. So what Peter here is saying is we saw this with our own eyes. Okay, uh, do you want to keep reading there? Yeah. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard 
We were on with him on the holy mount. This course is referring to the transfiguration. Right, when Jesus was on the mountain with some of the disciples and he was transfigured. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in the dark place until the day dawns and the day star rise in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time, but by the will of man, but holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so what he's talking about here is the fact that Jesus and everything that happened within his time on earth with us fulfilled specific prophecies that were in the Old Testament. So a lot of people will say that you don't need the Old Testament, that it's not important to the Scripture because Jesus is all that matters. Well, that's not true because the entire Old Testament is not just these separate stories that have nothing in common. The entire Old Testament tells about the coming of Jesus, the entire Old Testament. And actually, when Nick and I were dating, um, and it went on until after we got married, because it took us a while, we read through the entire um, Bible together each night. We would call each other and read a chapter or so. And every time we studied, our goal was to find Jesus in whatever we read. So we read through, like I said, the entire scripture, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you can find Jesus throughout the entire Old Testament. References to him, um, mirrors of him, is, I guess is the way you would say it. Um, and so you can't separate the Old Testament from the New Testament like a lot of people want to do. It's all one story that is cohesive. Okay, so let's talk about these eyewitness accounts right now. So we have uh, four Gospels, mm -hmm. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Were all of them eyewitnesses? No. Okay, who was not an eyewitness? Luke. Luke was not an eyewitness. Who was Luke? He was a doctor. He was Paul's doctor, actually. He was also his, an historian. Yeah, he was a historian. Um, and what he did is while he did not actually, and this is not a disciple. Luke was not a disciple. While he actually did not witness the death and resurrection of Jesus, he went and he interviewed people who had, and thus he wrote the Gospel of Luke. So I'll read the first first uh, four chapters. For as much of Luke chapter no, one. No, four verses. <laughs> for, yeah, sorry. <laughs> for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, there's the word eyewitnesses again, and ministers of the word. Okay, so what is he saying there? He is saying, as even as they delivered unto us, which he's talking about himself, them delivering the stories unto him, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. So he's saying, I have talked to people who were eyewitnesses, and I am taking the account. So you can even consider him as being like, um, what are they called, the people that write in the newspapers? Journalists? Yeah, you could even consider him being like a journalist who's going and getting these eyewitness stories and writing them down. And he was writing them as an historian. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, Right under the in order, most excellent Theophilus. So uh, we don't, I don't guess we really know who Theophilus is, but that's who Luke is addressing it to. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. Right. So he's writing all this down to send to Theophilus to say, this is the accounts that I have gathered from people who witnessed the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay. So he is not an actual eyewitness, but these are eyewitness accounts that he has gathered. But Matthew and Mark and John 
actually were eyewitnesses. And so we have their accounts as well in those Gospels. Now, what a lot of people will try to say is, well, each account is different, so they can't be all right. Well, that's not true. If you look, if you were to ask a police officer or a detective and you say, okay, let's say there was something that happened and you had these eyewitnesses and they all came to you and all of their eyewitnesses accounts were exactly the same. That detective would say something's fishy. Something's going on because when you, in, when you um, question witnesses to an event, everyone has their own perspective and everyone notices things differently and notices certain things. And so when you have eyewitnesses telling the same event, their stories will be different. And if they're not, then it looks really suspicious. And the Gospels also, the writers, they had different points they were trying to make, and they're also mm-hmm. writing to different audiences. Right. So even though their stories might have, like, maybe in one gospel he tells this story and it's not told in another gospel, that doesn't mean that the gospels don't match and that they don't tell the same story. There's not any contradictions within the gospels, which is really important for you to understand. So basically, all of the New Testament, all of these are written by eyewitnesses or they're taken from eyewitnesses and written down. Um, And so this should hold a lot of weight, just like eyewitnesses in court should hold a lot of weight. These aren't people saying, we heard this happen. These are people saying, we saw it and we're telling you so that you will know. Go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I think it's verse 1. We'll find out. And it's oh no, I didn't. Okay, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, so that's talking about the prophecies in the Old Testament, which we have seen with our eyes, so now he's talking about what they saw, and which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested. So he's talking about the word of life in that reference. He's referencing Jesus because it says in verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So he's saying, we saw these things. Oh, verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is in the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So why is John writing 1 John, this letter, is because he's wanting to share his eyewitness account and to urge people to understand that this really happened. All right, and next uh, episode, we're going to talk about who Jesus was in history and how he actually appears in text other than the Bible. All right, until then, we'll see you later. Take care. Okay.